computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I'm your host for the day, Tim. You know me on Twitter as Cranges McBasketball. And today we're going to have a quick solo pod going over three observations, two questions, and one prediction I have moving forward for the Lakers. We're recording on August 24th. Uh, Tom and I will try to get together this Friday to record another podcast, but today it's just me. And just wanted to react to a couple news items and some things we've been seeing. So, well, I like this format. This is something that uh, Notre Dame football website I really enjoy uses, and we had used over at B-Ball Index for some articles a while back, and I wanted to bring to the pod. I think it's a nice streamlined way to organize thoughts and get through stuff quickly. So we'll start with three observations, my first of which is that THT looks thinner. From pictures and videos we've seen of him this offseason, he looks to be in the best shape of his life, and I know that's something that guys generally say we saw Kevin Love say that to Team USA that led him to being invited to the the Olympics, and then they discovered shortly thereafter he was not in the best shape of his life. This is something we hear thrown around a lot. I'm throwing it around because we've seen what THT has looked like in college. I mean, I saw him play in person in college. He was like a long-armed, pudgy menace. He looks more fit from the videos, from the pictures, from him you know, playing in these games. He looks more mobile. Uh, I'd imagine his ability to dodge screens is better. He can probably play more minutes potentially at a higher level. It's not just that he can like, you know, play 30 minutes. He could probably probably play 30 minutes at a higher level than he could have before. If he plays 20 minutes, he could play that those 20 minutes at a higher level than he was before. Where you know that stamina bar that Tom likes to talk about would be a little bit higher throughout. And that means for a guy who needs to be an explosive, get to the rim kind of player that should enable him to play better. So I'm liking what I'm seeing with THT. Obviously, we'll have to see how he looks in the preseason and then heading into the regular season, but I'm liking what we're seeing so far. And I'd imagine that this, you know, him getting in good shape, along with more spacing with the shooting the Lakers brought in, along with him hopefully changing defensive roles, like we talked about on a previous pod, would all equal a breakout season, even if his three-point shot doesn't really tangibly grow. Now, if that happens, he's going to break out in a big way and be a true rising star. But even without that three-point shot, which ca- can happen, it it has happened for different players, but it shouldn't be the expectation for a guy his age at his position. We do not generally see guards come into the league and then suddenly get a three-point jumper after not really having one all that much or not having a good one. The, the rate of growth is small there. His age kind of helps him, but it's still because of his position. Like It's not like he's a big man that just was never asked to shoot threes before and then we realize that they can develop threes. This is someone who has been a guard for a while here. So my hopes are low with the three-point shot, but I think the role, I think the environment, and I think his uh, you know just getting into better shape along with expected growth in different areas like his playmaking refining, which is another thing I want to talk about on another pod, 
he's a better playmaker than people give him credit credit for. So his passing, refining, his ability to get to the rim and finish at the rim, which are both already very good, getting better, him developing that offhand, finishing at the rim, all these things lead to me thinking THT is about to have a breakout season, and we're going to see why the Lakers decided to keep him around and hopefully in a big, big way this upcoming year. My second observation is, so this is coming from Mark Stein, the Mavericks are in advanced discussions to hire 14-year NBA veteran Jared Dudley as an assistant coaches, league sources say. So there it is. This uh, means he's not going to be back with the Lakers unless something breaks down in those discussions. The fact that they're advanced discussions, not just like, hey, they've given him a call, isn't it doesn't make me think this is a leverage play for him to go to the Lakers. Maybe it is. Um, I would love to see him stick around. He's been great for the locker room. I think, think he'll be great for the Mavs locker room. It's uh, It'll be sad to see him go. It doesn't mean that we're going to have one more open roster spot for the Lakers. Whether or not they fill that is up to them. I would expect, I mean, generally, I mean, they're not hard caps, so the Lakers should fill each of their roster spots. And if they want a buyout guy later into the year, they can cut somebody if they need to cut somebody. They cut Troy Daniels in the past. Like they, they can cut dudes to clear space. They cut Damian, they let Damian Jones's deal run out last year, even when they were hard capped and they were able to replace uh, that, that position and bring in Drummond. So they have more flexibility this season than they did last year when they were hard capped. So if you need to cut somebody and bring someone else in, you can. If no one good on the buyout market becomes available, great. You have an extra player. It's not vital, it's not essential. This isn't something to get super worked up about, but we might see the Lakers not fill this spot and save themselves a couple million dollars from just from a money standpoint. So that is something to keep an eye out for. This news also makes <laughs> Jerry Dudley's tweet around the time when Jason Kidd was getting crushed for being, and rightfully so, for catching a lot of flack for being an awful person and coach and culture guy. Uh, right around that same time, we saw Jared Dudley tweet out calling Kid an awesome coach and culture builder. This makes that make a little bit more sense. We've seen the Mavs bring in a number of former players to join their coaching staff. Dudley looks like he will be joining that squad, but that is good to know. That is my second observation. Moving to the third one, this is around Paul Millsap, who talked about on a previous pod, was hoping he could be someone the Lakers could take a look at. Here's some info on Millsap from a Jake Fisher article, uh, which came out, I believe, this today, this morning. Um, and Jake Fisher, who I was skeptical about, <laughs> it was like, who is this guy? Where are all his sources from? He knocked it out of the park during the offseason. So I, you know, am reading what I'm reading now with more, you know, I, I trust it more than I did a couple months ago before he did a really, really great job over this offseason predicting free agency and trades and all of that. So he writes... Millsap could very well end up being this year's Nick Batum, a skilled mercenary who rounds out a playoff unit's starting lineup or top of their rotation in a reduced role. He has fans across the league, but Millsap's conversations with teams this summer have revolved around the salary figure at or near the $5.9 million taxpayer mid-level exception, sources say. So that makes sense to me. He, I, I kind of agree with that player assessment. He is someone that can have a Nick Batum-like impact. He's not a superstar anymore. He's aging, all of that. But he is going to be a playoff rotation piece for somebody. And I imagine he's looking for that kind of role. And we very clearly see that he's looking for that kind of money. 
Jake goes on to say, at present, there's an ex- expectation among league executives that Millsap could ride out an extended offseason, resting his legs after Denver's run to the 2020 Western Conference Finals and the subsequent sprint that was the 2020-2021 campaign. So here we're kind of seeing, you know, that this is laying the groundwork that if Millsap doesn't get an offer for what he wants, or even if he does get an offer kind of for what he's looking for, he might just... And probably more likely, if he doesn't get an offer, what he's looking for money-wise, he'll just, you know, take his time. He's not going to go sign a min deal now. He's not going to go get paid part of a mid-level exception. or he, he doesn't need to take less than he wants because he also has that added incentive to just kind of chill out and recuperate after those back-to-back seasons. Denver, just like the Lakers, was one of those teams that, I mean, we played like a week and a half longer than they did, but they had a really extended, crunched offseason or I'm sorry really extended playoff run and then crunched offseason heading into this past season so I can certainly understand why an older guy like Millsap can want to take it easy recuperate a bit and then join a team who is looking to make a playoff push at some point during the season he's he's going to be right in there with those buyout options around the trade deadline or somewhere somewhere you know uh, keep your eye out for Paul Millsap to sign with a team if he isn't signed like soon uh Adding on to this, there the interested teams that are mentioned are the Warriors, Hawks, Nets, Pelicans, 76ers, and Timberwolves. The Lakers don't have the money to offer Millsap what he wants. And from all reports, and, and I'm not saying you know they haven't reached out, but from all reports so far, the Lakers don't appear to be in that running. Uh, they they report, reported to have interest in him earlier. They weren't listed here. They're not in the price range. So at this point, it's possible he could sign with the Lakers. If he were to go to the Lakers, I would bet that it's probably not going to happen in the next couple of weeks. It's probably something that happens at some point during the season because if he's taking that amount of money, he's better off getting that rest and then joining later from his perspective. So he might sign with one of these six teams we talked about. Uh, they can pay him. A lot of them can pay him more than the Lakers could. If he's going, if they don't give him an offer he wants or he doesn't like those fits or he doesn't think they can win the title or whatever his wherever his priorities happen to be if he's taking his time that increases the lakers odds of getting him so that is something to keep an eye out for before we get into our two questions and one prediction for the day we're going to take a quick ad break we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back. So, two questions I have. Question number one, are the Lakers in trouble with their center rotation? The news that we just talked about with Millsap puts the Marcus Saul news from last week in a different light. My initial speculation and kind of hope was we're seeing that Mark isn't a lock to return to the Lakers because LA is interested in Millsap, which was also reported, and Mark doesn't want to just ride the bench. Or the, the Lakers would have promised Millsap a pretty good role considering he would have to take a pay cut, pay cut probably, considering what he might be able to get from another team. And due to that, Mark doesn't want to be in a like up-in-the-air situation the way he was this past season with Andre Drummond. So that was my speculation. In that world, we see either Mark stay and Millsap not come, or if Mark leaves, it's because Millsap is coming. So either way, you end up with one of them. The other option that I didn't really dig into as much is maybe Mark just doesn't want to play next year. Maybe this isn't Millsap related. Maybe he just is looking at retiring or might ask to be traded. Maybe he doesn't want to play basketball in the NBA. Maybe he doesn't want to be a Laker. Maybe he wants to go play overseas. Maybe he just doesn't want to play at all. That is more troubling to me because that means there's a pretty good chance that, I mean, if, if Mark isn't playing, we don't see him or Millsap. And then we're looking at the Hartensteins of the world and the Jakar Sampsons of the world. And, and I have another option I'm going to bring up today. But that uh, this, this news puts the Gasol news into a different light. And now I'm thinking, all right, well, why wouldn't Mark want to play? Maybe he's not happy with 10 to 12 minutes per game, playing with Dwight and AD in that five-man rotation, possibly. Could it be because he doesn't think he can physically handle the grind of a full season? This is absolutely possible. Maybe he's kind of gauging how much time he has left to play in his career, and he wants to, you know, before he retires, get a year playing in Spain, take that pow route. That's that's possible. Maybe he wants out of L.A. specifically uh, because of Fisdale being brought in. It's, it's possible. We haven't really heard too much smoke around that, but we know they had their beef in the past. So it's an option. Maybe he just doesn't feel happy with his level of play and thinks it's it's just time. He doesn't think that couple million dollars is worth him not feeling useful or feeling like himself. Um, so lots of different potential thought processes for Mark. I don't have any insight. I'm just speculating. But no matter what, I'd say this is concerning news uh, and more concerning than it was a week ago. So the the verbiage that we was used is that Gasol is not a lock. That still makes me think there's a pretty high percent chance he is playing. Um Given the Millsap news, I'm hoping Mark's back because if Mark isn't back, 
we'll get into our second question here. Who can replace Gasol? We covered Samson. We covered Hartenstein. I don't like either of those options all that much. Another name that deserves a look is DeMarcus Cousins. And this is one that I knew would take a little bit longer, so I didn't include on that last pod. But looking at Boogie, say what you will about him looking older or cooked or whatever word you want to use. His defensive impact has been fine for years. Even, even like, and it's not just because he's a center. Even among centers, he's, he's had like a BP plus impact these past couple of years. He, make, he gets it done. He's not a Dwight Howard shot blocker. He is not the most mobile big in the world. He certainly has his limitations, but he kills it on the defensive boards. He is a turnover generating machine, both individually and, you know, when he's on the court, his team's impact in generating turnover certainly goes up. He's stripping balls. He's deflecting passes. He is intercepting passes. He is adding value in similar ways to how Andre Drummond did this past season defensively. Um, Offensively, he's known for his post scoring, but more recently, he's been a pretty good three-point shooter and and for a while now and he has a strong passing skill set both in both areas better than what Millsap is bringing he's no stud anymore he's not somebody I see fitting in really well as like a post scorer but if he can lean into a new role and lean into what the Lakers need he's the closest one-for-one Gasol replacement that's available that the Lakers can bring in from an offensive standpoint he can be a floor spacer a pick and pop guy we know how pick and pop guys work really well with Russell Westbrook, much more so than Rick pick and roll players, um, given what we talked about with defenses going under his ball screens. So I like that fit. Uh, you can run a lot of those same perimeter passing sets through him like you would with Gasol. So I see his role being similar to Mark's rotationally. Uh, give him 12 to 15 minutes a game in the regular season. Let him eat some minutes. If he can't hang, you can cut him. The Lakers aren't hard capped. If they need to cut him and they need to go to another route, they can do that there's no huge downside here. You're not committing a bunch of money. And once you do get to the playoffs, by then we'll know whether or not he should or shouldn't play. If he shouldn't play, that's fine. That's kind of what we were expecting with Mark at this point. Not too big of an issue. AD's going to play more center. You've got Dwight in there. You can make that work. If he can play, that's a pretty big boost compared to what we were thinking could be the case uh, with Mark. So I see upside. I see fit. I see a vet guy that could take this amount of money. So I see it working out pretty well. You're going to have people who think he's an awful defender. He's certainly weak in different areas. He's getting worse, but he can be better than a lot of the other options available because a lot of those other options are not very good. So we did three observations, two questions, one prediction. Time for one prediction. I think at this point in time, given the info we have today, which can change, there can be new players brought in. We can see coaching changes. There's a lot that can happen to change this perspective. But right now, I'm going to predict the Lakers have the 5th to 7th ranked offense this regular season and 5th to 7th ranked defense. I think the defense is going to go down. I think the offense is going to certainly go up from this past year, which was very injured. I think it's going to improve upon what it was two years ago in 2019-2020 where we had more health. I think it's going to be better than that. And... I don't think LA is going to be top five in either, but I think they're getting underrated defensively. I think offensively, some of the issues that they have are going to matter and are going to hold them back, but they've clearly brought in the right skill sets and they've surrounded their penetrating guys with spacing. And I just, I I like a lot of how it could look. And I feel more confident in how this group can look offensively than how last season's group could look offensively, even when healthy, just given how many like X's and O's questions and little problems you would have to solve to make last year's team fit. You don't really have to 
ask those or solve those questions this year. It's penetration, it's spacing, it's stars, you've got the playmaking. This group is much better than last year's group offensively when healthy in either in both situations. So I like that. Um, there are a couple things that really can swing this. I think Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony's uh, buying into their roles and taking smarter shots matters. If both of them are isolating a bunch, taking a bunch of bad shots, that certainly drags you down. Another key piece of this is the shooting of Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, and Kent Bazemore, all three of which were guys who don't have strong three-point shot-making backgrounds, but this most recent season had a pretty good year. So are we looking at one-year blips? like we did with Dennis Schroeder, or are we looking at improved three-point shooters? So whether or not that shooting is real or not really matters. I think the coaching staff making some of the defensive changes we talked about on the last pod matter. Those four defensive role changes, making the pick-and-roll defensive scheme changes like like I talked about, going no man behind drop defense or switching a lot. The, like whether or not they make those changes, whether or not whether or not they change like THT to a point of attack defender, uh, Kendrick Nunn to a chaser, uh, Ariza to a helper, I think, what was the other one? Baysmore to a point of attack defender, I think it was. Um, those changes, whether or not they make those changes will matter and will help optimize or not optimize the talent they have. And then I think the coaching staff showing some improvement when it comes to offensive X's and O's matters. We don't need super elaborate set plays, which you can do with this group and can be executable and having practice this year certainly makes it much much easier but even if things are pretty simple as long as they're a little bit better tactically I think that really raises the ceiling for this group how they're handling double teams on isolations in the post that matters how they're dealing with guys like Russell Westbrook and THT being sagged off of off ball matters and and I'm not just talking about like oh you know here are three four screenshots of someone we said was a shooter last year, Caruso or Danny Green the year before, like there will be times where guys are left open. I'm talking about like a play-by-play thing where you're like all out roaming. <laughs> you're, you're flat out roaming around, leaving someone alone. And this is super, super disruptive to an offense if you just let it happen to you. But it also presents a lot of opportunity to exploit that defense, keep them honest and get some easy points. So that matters a bunch, how the, the staff is handling using like, LeBron and Westbrook off ball matters a bunch and I have a bunch of ideas for that we'll talk about later health of course is important so those are those are five different ways the the team's performance can swing up or down you know Russ and Melo buying into their roles the three-point shooting being real real or not for those couple guys the coaches defensive changes coaching's defensive changes or not the coaching staff's offensive changes or not and then health based on how those things swing if you go five for five we're looking at a title team. If you go over five, we're looking at like an offensive rating in the teens and or, or lower and a defense that's maybe average or maybe above average. So that's really what we're looking at. A lot can change. I'm, I'm hopeful, hopeful for a couple of these. For a few of them, I'm skeptical, but that's probably what it's going to come down to this upcoming year. And then before we get out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kobe on this pod. It is 8-24, August 24th today. It's Kobe Day. I know how much he meant to me as a basketball player, as a role model for overcoming adversity, having that killer instinct, and in, in me trying to embody some of that in what I do, whether or not it was on a basketball court or not. And I bet he was that role model for a lot of you as well. He probably got some of you into basketball in general, into the Lakers, into the NBA. 
there's a, you know there's a reason the Lakers even among younger fans don't just have I mean I mean 75% of our listenership isn't in LA and a lot of people are Laker fans not from LA I'm never I was never in LA I've never lived in California um Kobe's influence on the game domestically and internationally was huge and we miss him and you know all I'm gonna say is go check out the awesome tributes and videos and stories that folks are going to share today on Twitter Reddit wherever else R.I.P. Kobe that is all for today thanks for joining us hopefully we'll be back with you on Friday Tom and I and I will present my breakout go sign this guy for the minimum I think he's going to provide a bunch of value on top of that guy uh, which I'm still holding tight to the vest, but excited to discuss with all y'all. Till then, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com